0: You are listening to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagardian and Paul Garrison. Welcome listeners to the SDSU Podcast Live Edition. I'm your host, Andre Agverian, joined by Paul Garrison. What's going on, Paul?
1: What's going on, Andre? Nice Sunday. Great way to be able to end the weekend and some great San Diego State coverage.
0: Yeah, I I believe this is our third live episode. but first one in about 11 months. We did two early last year, one during, uh, right after the scrimmage the opening of Snapdragon Stadium and then one after the Arizona game. And I think we were hoping to do more and just timing wise and schedule wise made them difficult. But um, I think this was a good opportunity per your suggestion to, you know, put a, put a two days of fall practice, uh, you know, status report together and, and do this live and have maybe some interaction from Aztec fans who will have some questions for us. I think it's a great idea. Why don't we, why don't we get going on some of those questions that we had? We asked,
1: uh, ahead of time, what was some things that people would like us to focus around? Um, Eric Butler. Good to see you. Let's go. Uh, but you have any questions, drop them into the chat on the face on the YouTube and, you know, we'll bring up onto the show. Um, magic Zulu, Eric Butler, senior, that that's a good point. Good point. Got to make sure it's mentioned as senior. Um, but any questions that you have, anything you want to talk about, you know, bring it up, and and we'll try to get some some answers from what we saw, and then of course we're gonna dive into all of the conversations that we had with the um, coordinators, right? Because I think probably more than anything else, the what what the coordinator said kind of governed the two practices and everything that we saw. So uh, what what's uh, what's the first question, Andre?
0: You know, one of the first questions we got was, What kind of offense is this going to be? Is this a run first offense? And is that, if the answer is yes, is it based on the personnel or is that Ryan Lindley's philosophy? Um, do you want to take a stab that first stab at that?
1: Sure. I think it's absolutely right now because of the personnel. And I think it's his philosophy. Um, I think yeah. that San Diego State is can become measurably better than they were a season ago if they can get the running game going again. And it's, it's one thing to have a dominant ground game and then try to see how you can become more balanced, but you don't want to become more balanced by not doing either of them very well. And for too much of the year last year, that was exactly the case. They weren't able to run the ball and they had trouble passing the ball or when they were able to pass the ball that did not open up lanes. Um, in the run game. And then with the turnover issues, it just stymied their offense. So I think they're absolutely wanting to get back to the run. I think in coach Lindley's offensive philosophy, he wants to be able to dictate personnel. And if you're going to dictate personnel, then you have to be strong. And so I think he's going to want, he's going to want the opposition to decide what they're going to do. Are they going to match up with size and try to stop the run? well, then that means you could motion, you could split out one of your tight ends who can run, and now you got a guy that maybe is not quite as good at covering covering that person. Or if you want to bring everybody inside, you have a quarterback who can run and get outside, and that's harder for people who are bigger to be able to counter. So I think it's, it's a little bit of both, um, but he absolutely, I think, wants to get back to – establishing the run and getting back to that San Diego state identity.
0: Yeah. We keep hearing that we're going to do what our strengths are and they keep, and the coaches, both coach hope coach Lindley, keep talking about their running backs and their tight ends. And that, that prede, predecessor, that pre that basically says that you're going to be a run first offense and a lot of play action and things like that. I think based on some of the things that have happened on the wide receiver room over the last couple of days, make heighten that even more Mm -hmm. because you know you have jaleel tucker we don't know what's going to happen there we haven't heard any any official thing but it doesn't look like he's going to be on the roster that was a you know a scholarship wide receiver they are already thin with only eight wide receivers on scholarship six walk-ons uh rafael williams is reported after practice yesterday his eligibility is up for you know, debate or um, question, I guess, waiting for a hardship waiver. So if both of those guys aren't there, then suddenly you're dealing with, you know, 12 receivers, six scholarships. You know, that that's that's asking a lot of your wide receivers, a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperienced guys that have not necessarily had the production outside of Makai Shaw. And so that even more emphasis is going to be put on getting the running game going, throwing to the tight ends, throwing to the running backs, Uh, and a lot of that is play action, a lot of short stuff. Mm Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a run first offense. That doesn't mean that next year or the year after, if they get some playmakers as wide receivers or, or some emerge this year, that they're that, that coach Lindley is not going to be more of a pass first offense in the future. But right now I think it's going to be run first. Mm -hmm.
1: And and I think that that also fits with what Jalen Maiden does best. Um, I think, you know, it also helps when you're able to run the ball. Um, It helps you to block better. I mean, there's just everything that you could have about it. So I think they're going to try to, um, I think the key is going to be having, you know, getting rid of the ball quickly, getting rid of the ball quickly, exactly right. Um, Trying to move, move, move it to where he's not holding the ball too long. Um, allowing him to be creative if he gets outside of the pocket. But I think the key, as in all West Coast offenses and and that idea and that short passing game um, slants, um, you know, crossing across the field, is you you also at times you have to be able to get vertical. And you want to make sure that like those safeties can't creep in and get into those passing lanes because they're afraid of what you're going to be able to do over the top. And we saw um, on Friday that that's exactly what Maiden has been working on this off season is, is those kind of deeper routes. And it's just to keep them honest. Um, and, and I think that they're expecting um, the trend to continue that they're going to have outside on the outside. They're going to have um, they're going to, you know, not going to, they're, they're going to have man, 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 to man coverage and they're going to try to put their wide receivers in, in, um, people that they split out in that position to, to try to go and make plays and kind of stretch the field, which then could open up the things underneath and just at least make them play honest. Um, and, you know, I, I think that another question we had, Andre, if you want to jump on this one, sticking with the offense, everyone's got questions on, on offensive line. Um, what did you see from the offensive line in day one? Um, and if And if you can, you know, remember back that far? I mean, how do you think it looked in comparison to the line last year?
0: I think as an overall reflection from day one of fall camp, 2023 versus 2022, it was a lot crisper, less sloppy now than it was last year. Um, it was a marked difference in terms of how they were getting into their plays, how, you know, snaps were good. Uh, not a lot of fumbles, not a lot of uh, broken plays, things like that. Um, and the I think the offensive line is a big part of that. Now I think you know Ross Ulugala Masuli would have been playing center, um, or at least through uh, early part of camp. I think he he's looking good there. You know, in my in my offense preview, I I put projected starters. You know, Miles Morale at center, Ross at right guard, based on ma- mainly based on what. Coach Hoke said on at the Wednesday press conference because I asked him about starting center and he went Miles. He mentioned Miles first, uh, but he also mentioned Ross could play there too, and they like him there. But maybe I have to flip flop that and have Ross center, Miles right guard. I know Dean Abdullah has been getting reps at, at right guard as well, uh, but I liked what I saw on day one. I was not at day two. I know you were you were you were at both days, but I really. I really liked what I saw from first day of camp compared to what I've seen in the prior two years of camp. Um, I really liked what I saw from miles. His first day with the program was good. He had good individual reps one-on-one versus D lineman, and he had good, you know, five, you know, seven on seven reps. Um, Christian Jones and drew as a party, they were kind of doing the left, right tackle, very similar to what we saw at spring camp. You know, we, we made a big deal about it in spring camp. Oh, it looks like BCD's not going to be a starter. And then he ended up as a starter on the depth chart. Well, we're, it's almost the same thing now. And I think now we're not paying as much attention to who's really getting first reps this early in camp. Maybe we'll pay more attention to it, you know, third or fourth week. But I liked what I saw. There's a lot of promise there. And one thing I'll say is last year, they had seven guys the coaches had faith in playing in games from the offensive line. Right? They had the five starters and then they had Mirabella and Abdullah that also started at right guard. I think this year there's a little bit more depth there where there's probably nine or 10 guys that I think the coaches would feel comfortable playing or starting. Um, Now it's just a matter of finding the right five and keeping them healthy and keeping them become a cohesive unit. What do you think? No, I think that's a good point. And I I would say the only, the the hard part with
1: the hard part with this whole conversation is, you know, you never know, is it the offensive line has gotten better? Or the defensive line isn't as good. Um And so a year ago, you know, y- they, they, they didn't play as well in the one-on-one drills um against Keyshawn Banks. They didn't play against Jonah to quite as well um against justice to And so it, some, sometimes it's hard to know, but um just, not being able to evaluate the defensive lineman that way, I would agree with everything that you just said. Um, I I think that they looked deeper. They looked more confident. They looked more physical. And, you know, overall, I think that, that, you know, if they didn't have, the offensive line didn't have the year that it had a year ago, and you were just basing it off of, like, the physical attributes and their technique and where they're at, They wouldn't be as big of a question mark, I think, after the the first two days. Um, I think BCD is absolutely a question mark. I thought that you know one of the things I that really was interesting to me about the two days is it's remarkable the patience that the coaches have. Um, If it were me, I'd be like, okay, like we had this depth chart and we only got a little bit of time for Ohio, so. We're gonna come into camp and we're not gonna play people according to their rank like they had in spring because you've had the whole summer and whatever, whatever. And I'd be ready to like move on. Um, but the coaching staff did not. I mean, they they got reps according to the depth chart by and large with what came out um at that uh, came out during the spring. Um, and that patience to be able to, you know remember that they formed that depth chart because of how they performed in the spring. And there was a reason for that. Um, but, you know, as I wrote in the article that came out today, it, there were reps that BCD lost and there were, there were times where um, he did not look like the guy who had started two years in a row. And, and they need, you know, and, and the guy that they need him to be um, coach mentioned him as somebody who just needs to go to the next level. And I think to your point, you know, Cade Bennett, Kate Bennett looked like a stud. I mean, you know, he he looked like somebody who moved whoever he was up against. And that's who they need BCD to be, especially considering this is his third year. Um, Got a question here from Tom Bankhead.
0: What's up, Tom? Tom, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here. What true freshman do you see contributing this season? Actually, my answer is is it's a good timing because I think. We just talked about the wide receivers and maybe the lack of quality or depth there. And I would say health permitting Balen Brooks, wide receiver from Pasadena high school. He obviously wide receiver. If there's, if there's one position on this team where a true freshman could come in and play and get opportunities, it's probably wide receiver. And from the first maybe 20, 30 minutes of practice on Friday, he looked, he looked the part. He looks, he's looks. he got a body. He's got size. He, mm-hmm. he runs crisp routes. Um, caught a lot of passes. Caught almost every pass his way. Um, unfortunately, he sustained an injury, I don't, and we don't know exactly, but it looked like a, a leg injury, maybe a tweak, and it sat out. Um, so we didn't see him in 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11 11 11 drills, um, and he didn't practice yesterday either. But he's a guy... You know, if, as long as this injury isn't too, too serious and he'll be back out there sh- soon, he's a guy I totally see uh, moving up the depth chart and getting serious snaps uh, come when the season starts. I guess a good call. Um, Brady
1: Nasser would be, would be my answer. Um, and whatever way you want to look at this, uh, Rocky Long used to say that if you have an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman who is starting, it's because you haven't developed guys. Um, and, you know, maybe in some regards, you know, the, the, the super seniors who have been on the line, uh, maybe have prevented some of that. Development. I don't know, but Brady Nasser uh, was somebody that I asked coach about on Friday and he's, you know, he said, Hey, we really like him. Um, we really would like him to, we really are glad that he came to San Diego state is, is what he said. And then, um, he was taking first team reps, in eleven-on-eleven 11 drills, and you know it, it went exactly like a guy who's in his second college practice. So he lines up. Um, they run some motion, and the the strong side of the offense flips. So Cooper McDonald runs over to the other side, and he needs Brady Nasir to slide inside a little bit to be able to do his. And and he's not moving. Nasir's not moving. And so and so Cooper kind of hits him a little bit, like slide down. He's not moving. So he puts both hands on his shoulder pads and he's like forcing him to go inside. So he got the point and he moved all before the snap. It was a veteran move, savvy move, got him set up like you want a leader to do. And then they started the play and the seer got a sack. <laughs> so it, it didn't, it it just showed, I think, the the reason why he was taking like such important reps potentially, and also um, you know, the the learning curve that still needs to be there. But I mean, just just from that. Just from seeing from seeing um from seeing what he was able to do. Um, and he actually got in there and and you know, you you saw him, you know, and it, and it's kind of funny, um, whether it's by design or happenstance, um, you know, not all of the freshmen have like nice jerseys with like the Aztec numbers on them. So they're the same. They're the right, well, I didn't even say that. I was gonna say they're the right colors, but like Javance Um Johnson, the quarterback. His, his, his is not green. Everyone, all the other QBs are green and he's in a black Jersey, you know? Um, and he did black yesterday too. Yeah. 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 Saturday as well. And, um, and, you know, we were joking, like, what does he got to do to get a green Jersey, you know? And then, uh, and then <clears throat> like, so Brady in um Sears Jersey uh, 48, I believe he it's like a, just the normal, like almost like a high school looking practice Jersey um, as generic of the numbers as they can be. And so he just stood out. He just stood out as somebody like, okay, he doesn't belong, but you just kept making plays. I mean, you, he just kept his, you, you just would watch it and you were like, Oh, okay. He was, he was in again, he was in again. Um, So he would be the person, although, you know, it's always the caveat that that young guys in the trenches—that's um, not usually the way that it goes. But that was his goal. He told us when we spoke to him before
0: signing day in December. I, I definitely Brady um, peaked in you know individual one-on-one drills versus offensive linemen on Friday. Uh, the other guy on defense that I would say is Marcus Ratcliffe. You almost forget he's a true freshman because he was here in the spring as an early enrollee but he is still a true freshman and with Patrick McMorris's departure and you know not really sure what they're going to do with Kyron White you know Max Garrison and Marcus Radcliffe are fighting for that Aztec spot and Marcus Radcliffe is has the size he's tall mm-hmm. uh length uh mm-hmm. to be really disrupt disruptive back there in the secondary so I think that competition for Aztec is going to be really really good and whoever wins that is going to be a really good player, and I think Marcus has a chance to win that spot. So he could be another um, another another true freshman that that could start. I think I don't think they had a, a true freshman start on defense last year, but two years ago they had Noah Avenger and CJ Baskerville start. So you know, there's a few guys that could potentially fill that role this year. Absolutely, and I and I think though I think one
1: of the parts with Baskerville is he didn't start right away. It took a little bit of time, whereas um, Ratcliffe is there. And um, the comparison, I think, that you could think of uh, at this young part of their careers is, um, you know, Baskerville um, had all of the physical tools. And I think it's like, they, you know, it was was sort of like, when are you going to unleash them fully? And um, I think Ratcliffe at this point is already like a little bit more of a physical, more physical version. Of Baskerville, um, at this point in their career, uh, Starlance 185. I like this, and 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 I, you know, I, I this is why these live shows are great. Be be super clear about this. Um, I don't think this is going back to the Rashad Penny, um, Donnell Pumphrey days where they're, um, you know, 60 40 and and they're gonna they're gonna try to just trick people with the pass almost like Air Force does. I, I think that they're absolutely going to look for, um, more balance, but there's two ways to get to balance. Some teams pass in order to set up their run, and other teams run in order to set up their pass. And I think they're going to shade more to that part of it. So I don't think if they're they're going to give up on their receivers or they don't think the receivers can play. I just think that you're not going to see them have four wideouts. You're not going to see them, you know, play more than three wideouts at a time. Um, they're going to depend on their tight ends. They believe that the tight ends are mismatches. If uh, they think that that they they have multiple tight ends, um, you know Des Melton is a is a guy that they added from Louisville, who almost signed with San Diego State out of um, high school was was very close to signing with the Aztecs, and then when he transferred back, that guy can move. Um, he 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 almost looks more of a wide receiver, even though at Louisville he was a blocking tight end. So that I mean that is like that's the recipe that they want. Um, there was a great play. Um, by Logan Tanner and, and in individual drills where, you know, it was a, it was an underthrown ball um, and the defender hit the ball and he laid out and was still able to make the catch. So I, um, star Alliance one eight five. Uh, I don't think that that's, um, and any suggestion that they're going to give up on the wide receiver, the passing game. Um, If you listen to Jalen Maiden's comments um, on Andre um, on his Twitter account, you know, they they really he really thinks that a lot of people have stepped up and um those receivers are, are ready to go. And you know, I would say, yeah, if if we had done this on Friday night, and I would say who stood out to you in terms of the camp, I would have answered Brian Penny. I thought mm-hmm. Brian Penny looked like a stud on Friday, looked really good catching the ball. Looked like he he was and and then and, and then I would also have said Philippe Wesley he had a touchdown um, again on yesterday he had it on Friday then um, he he switched numbers so he's 14 instead of 41 um, but you know he good body control gets open runs good routes um, and then everyone knows what Makai Shaw is and so I don't think they're giving up on the receivers it's just the question of of is what is their attack going to be ground oriented was the original question and i think the answer is yes
0: what uh how did those receivers look yesterday breon penny specifically
1: yeah you know it was it was the inconsistent part i mean he was he 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 caught everything but they were bobbles you know they weren't just the uh, they weren't the just the you know they were sticking to their hands and things like that and they weren't even in um as opposed to friday uh some of these were just routes they were running it was there was no defense at all um, and so I, I was, it was, it was less consistent on, on Saturday, um, which has been his bugaboo, right. Where it's like, okay, you have this big game in the spring and then it doesn't translate. Um, I don't think that that's going to necessarily be an option, um, because he's going to need to play. I mean, they 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 just, their numbers are w- where they're at. I mean, even going and saying that they have, you know, five scholarship guys that, that were, that, you know. It looks like they six of them maybe that they're going with. You have a true freshman, two true freshmen, and you have a converted cor- um, cornerback. And and so it's it's they're going to need them to play, and they're going to need him to perform. And um, hopefully, it's the year that 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 Brian breaks out and and you know lives up to even a fraction of the expectation that everyone has had since you know he he signed as an Aztec.
0: Two uh, question, two more questions about the offense that we got offline. One was regarding whether Coach Lindley would be calling plays from the coach's box upstairs or on the field. We haven't specifically asked him that question. I think we just assumed. Yeah, based on the fact he was on the field last year with the quarterbacks, I remember him saying he liked being able to talk to the quarterbacks face-to-face in person. Um, I'm going to assume that he's going to be on the field calling plays like Jeff Gordon was. And not like Jeff Eklinski, who was up in the booth, uh, calling plays. So that's that's an assumption, but I think that's a safe assumption, um, just based on what we've seen from him, uh, as a quarterback's coach. Yeah. And I, and I, and I will say, um, absolutely a swing and miss from us. I mean, we had a,
1: we had an interview where could have, you know, he was very gracious with his time. We could have asked him anything, and, and that should have been that should have been in there. That should have been in there. It's a great question. Yeah,
0: that's a good question. The other question uh I saw posed is how the young buck, as Coach Lindley called him, Javance Johnson has been looking uh mm. so far. You know, just from what I saw on Friday, um he's big, he's strong, he's got a nice arm, he's fluid, he he looks the part of a of a of a quarterback and you know he's obviously getting you know fourth fourth reps, third or fourth reps, right? Because he's he's new to the program, uh, but he's it's going to be an interesting competition with him trying to trying to reach you know Liu and Kyle Crum, uh parts and try to take reps maybe uh, up there as the season moves on. Just so because he's he's a talented guy and there's a reason why mm-hmm. they got him and they didn't recruit any more quarterbacks because they I think they have belief in him and Coach Lindley talked about that when we spoke to him in March. So you look good at anything from you that you saw from him, either on Friday or yesterday. I think you saw a little bit of um, what you saw
1: on tape, which is, I think that he is, he is an advanced thrower at this point. Um, The accuracy I think stood out as far as, you know, there's a, there's a defender and I'm going to deliver the ball away from the defender and, and things like that. Um, But I I think at the same, at the same time, you know, I think it was pretty clear that he was the fourth quarterback. um, And at least, and, and I think that, uh, you know, in his live reps, um, as many young quarterbacks do, he ended up scrambling, you know, and, and, and just tucking the wall and running. Um, but big arm, accurate arm, uh, tall. And, you know, I, I think that, that going into the, the idea of, of having, you know, 2024 in mind. It's going to be one crazy quarterback competition. Um, even if it's just those those three, even if it's Crum, Amavai, and um, Javance Johnson. Um, not to mention if they, you know, if they end up bringing in, you know, a, a transfer to to compete with them. So, I thought he looked really good. Um, exciting. I think you know, I think the the with Will Haskell, who uh, announced that he has his AA degree, which is awesome, and that he um, is going to be going to the University of Washington. Um, you know, I think that his arm strength was, was something that always got everyone really excited and, um, Javance, well, you know, not, is not completely like Haskell in terms of his arm strength. He's closer to that than the other guys that are in the room. And, and I think that he has a lot of really, really exciting tools, um, and, You know, I think you could really see in the way that they competed, the way they talked to them, the way they were coaching him, the other quarterbacks and things like that. It's, uh, again, another really um, close-knit
0: group. Special teams. Tom asks if uh, Jack Browning is going to handle all three kicking duties like he did last year. I think the answer to that is yes. He, you know, preseason special teams player of the year, voted on by the media. You know, he said he's confident doing all three. Episode eighty-three with Coach Deacon, he's Mm -hmm. confident in him doing all three. So I think going to into the season, he he will be doing all three. Now we'll see how that plays out. You know, one of the things Coach Deacon talks about is the muscle atrophy or the muscle soreness that comes from week eight, week nine, doing kicking, punting, kickoffs every day in practice. And so we'll see how he responds. But he, since he's already done it one year, he's already done it in junior college, I, I believe at Grossmont. So multiple years, I think Jack will be fine and can handle all three. Now, if something happens. I think there's confidence in Placencia and Ramirez to back him up. But I think the, the plan is for Browning to do all three.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good segue into the special teams conversation. Um, sorry, Eric Butler senior, if we're going to, do defense last. Um, but, uh, you know, I love the idea of David Delgado leaving after he graduates and getting a full ride to South Alabama. I said UAV in the interview. Um, I love how D- Coach Deacon was very
0: uh, courteous in his
1: oh, Very courteous. It was bad. It's And it's so bad, too, because I had looked it up and, and just the, you know, you just your mind sometimes thinks in a bad way. And so like, I was like, Oh, South Alabama, that's UAB. No, it's not. It's a different Alabama anyway. Um, so air air, bad, bad, bad job. Although not the worst thing that I did in that conversation. Um, how I called Lisa Gerson, who shares the same last name as me, Lisa Hunter is just, that was terrible. Anyway. Uh, I digress. (laughs) So I, I would just say, as far as this is concerned, um, you know, Jack Browning is a very competitive kid. Um, yeah. I think that you know he he went toe to toe with Matt Ariza. Um, he didn't back down from Ariza at all, and all of the the reports were that you know he was a great punter, even the year that he sat out. Um, and so I, I think it would just you know injury prov- injuries you know aside, I think he's going to compete to to have all three. And go against you know what Coach Deacon wants to do. Um, I thought it was a great response when I asked him, you know, how how is Jack Browning handling success? And he just said he's humble and he's the, one of the hardest workers on the team, and he just goes for it. Um, but at the same time, he's he's competing. If if Zechariah Ramirez or Gabe Placencia turn out to be better and and can demonstrate that enough to Kind of supersede the fact that you've seen Browning do it in a game. Um, they'll they'll take it. They'll they absolutely will. And that's the way he was able to build a David Delgado who then turns out to be really good and gets a full ride somewhere else. But he just happened to be behind, you know, Ariza, and then he's he's behind Browning. So I I think it's pretty good. Um, what did you make about the punt return area? Um, for San Diego state. I mean, I think in the, in the article that I wrote about it, um, Jordan bird had a 0.7 punt return per (laughs) yards per average Mm -hmm. in, in conference. Um, do you think that I'm wrong and the excitement of Des Malone that coach Deacon showed about his return, um, is kind of immaterial. Because they're not really caring about how well they return the ball, so that's going to lead to the security, which is then Makai Shaw. Um, what what do you make of the fact that you know it? it they didn't do a great job returning the ball last year. Um, is that something they're going to try to fix? Do they want to just you know try to block kicks and do all the other stuff that they do, and it's just about getting the ball back to the offense?
0: What do you think about that? I do remember. Thinking many times last year when Jordan Bird just didn't have a chance that when he, caught know, him, right. you know, there were guys, defenders, punk coverage guys that were on him and he tried. Um, so I do remember that. And I think in your article, you're like, whether it was the returner or the blocking. I think it was more the blocking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but for a team that does try to block punts and does try to bring pressure up the middle or on the wings you know they probably you probably do have one or two less people focused on getting back and blocking so i think that factors and as, as ball security is definitely as coach deke this is the second time but we've interviewed him twice on the podcast right and he's two for two for saying that the key is for it to be first and 10 aztecs Mm-hmm. Which means that they did not fumble the ball. Well, obviously, I think last time he said if they don't score a touchdown on the uh, on the return, he wants it to right. be first between right. uh, aspects. And so, ball security is an emphasis. You 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 don't see a lot of punt returns for touchdowns anymore in in football in general, um, even in college football. And I don't I don't know if it's because of the different rules and uh, see. But here's time. the thing. Here's
1: the thing. There were three. I, and I I mean I should have this pulled up. But I believe this is right. I think there were three teams in the mountain West that averaged over 10 yards in conference. Mm -hmm. So other people were returning. Other people had great returning, you know what I mean? And, and, and so, I mean, but then, you know, but to your point, they still scored three touchdowns. They had the, the Boise state where they, you know, had the, he dropped it and Max Garrison went in there and roughed them, but they didn't call it. Um, and then they had the um, – against Arizona where the guy kicked it into the butt of the up man, and then yeah. Berg did return one for a touchdown against Idaho State. So, I mean, that's the whole point. It's like, well, I mean, if, yeah. if you go and you say that the punt unit is going to be responsible for three scores this upcoming year, hey, you know, that's a that's a, that's a really and, good year. And zero fumbles. And zero fumbles because then, of course, you're talking about like Ryan uh, – not Ryan Matthews, Jesse Matthews, you know, against Fresno State where we're Ryan Matthews went, um, and, and, you know, I think, you know, you, you get into some of that kind of stuff. So I, I'll I'll be interested to see how it plays out. Um, I, I think, you know, as much as anything, I, I, um, had a great quote about Des Malone and about how excited he was about him. And so you're going to use it, you know, you're going to make sure that, 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 that got out there, but, um, it wouldn't surprise me in the least to see them go with Makai Shaw, um, as, as that
0: returner. Um, for ball security reasons, mostly. For ball
1: security experience. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, Makai might not be able to have that explosive speed or but, – but he makes guys miss. And and I, I think that there is a difference between, you know, fair catching the ball and you're at the 25-yard line and you're fair catching the ball and you get it there versus – and I don't mean statistically. I mean, I'm just talking about, like – like just the way it feels you get a 12 yard return and you go from the 25. It's, you know, you don't have an unbelievably better field position, but you feel like you did something. You feel like you're moving. And I think um, having more solid returns, I think could just help the offense to gain that momentum that, that, that they, you know, could be close to breaking one or, or however that would work. But I I just thought that they didn't get enough out of Jordan bird in the return game. Um, And, I thought kickoffs, the same thing. You know, I, I just think that those are, those are numbers when you have somebody who has shown that kind of consistency, something happened. And I think it's definitely a point of improvement, something that, that they could be, um, you know, able to do.
0: Yeah. I think I'm excited to see Keenan Christian return mm-hmm. kick. Kickoff, yeah. Yeah. Cause we've got speed, whether he has the cutback ability that Jordan bird had on kickoffs, we'll see, but I mean, speed wise, I think he's right up there. Straight mm-hmm. line specifically um you know max garrison was the second returner next to jordan bird last year i don't think coach deacon mentioned him and when he was talking about potential returners but he's a guy who has experience back there cam davis is another guy that um because i think if keen and christian ends up being the the bell cow the guy who's getting 20 touches a game they may have to limit his kickoff returns mm-hmm. uh, and so then you can have a guy like cam davis um, I forget what some of the other names D, Coach D, uh mentioned, but there's there's Sheldon Canley, Sheldon Canley, right? There's that's mm-hmm. some track track guys, right? That right. are that are have that opportunity um, to show what they can do. No, absolutely, and and he didn't mention Max Garrison, um,
1: who obviously halfway through the year um, got that second spot, and um, you know I think he's in line for that second returner, and the second returner is not the track guy. The second returner is the guy who, um, and I think the highest praise you could possibly give, especially a a true sophomore, is that he's a football player, right? And obviously he's running with the ones um, at the Aztec position Mm -hmm. because he is just that. But that second guy, you need him to block, right? You need him to be able to to run full speed and find the guy who's going to be in the hole to to be kind of that springboard for the runner. So you need a football player, you need, you know, if they squib it, that guy needs to be able to go and get the ball, be there securely. Um, and then he needs to be able to do all of those kind of like non-ball-in-my-hand kind of things, but then he needs to make you pay if you decide to kick it the opposite way to get the ball out of your primary guy. And I think that he showed that potential to do that well. So I would expect Mac, Max Garrison. you know, when they're when they're announcing – when they're announcing who they're the the are deep to return for the Aztecs, they're going to mention one of those track guys, and then I think Max Garrison's also going to be mentioned as one of the two people who are back there returning the ball.
0: Yep. Uh, Star Alliance. Before we move on to defense, she goes. She mentions. I recently heard our LT is six nine. Um, the line should have promising potential. Yeah, that's Christian Jones. As someone that's six six, he makes me feel short. But he's got a lot of potential. Uh, We had him on the podcast um, about two months ago, I want to say, episode sixty-eight. So uh, if you want to learn more about him, you know, most Coach Goff and Brady Hoke recently said he's one of the maybe the nicest guy on the team. Uh, So he's, if you want to learn more about him, episode sixty-eight is uh, the place to go.
1: Yeah, I want to see see if this will work out. Uh, I'm gonna share my screen real quick. I go got a picture. It. All right. Hopefully, it works out. We see. We see the picture of uh Christian Jones. I don't see it. Uh. Well, maybe not. Oh, here we go.
0: What do we got? Oh yeah, there it is.
1: Yeah. So uh, he's a big guy. He's a big guy. Um, and, and so this is, this is the, this was after, um, Saturday's practice. These were the, so Barfield who's, um, there on the left of the screen and, uh, Christian Jones 70. Um, and, and he just absolutely is a mammoth human being. And I think to, um, I think to Andre's point, you know, we, when we, yeah, exactly. Robbie, um, he's a big kid, um, and, and, and he's one of the nicest kids, that is on the team um, we were, we, when we had him on the podcast, it was to talk about his community service because every single time you see San Diego state doing something out in the community, whether it's at the bowl game, whether it's uh, com- um, they're cleaning up the community, the, the, the campus, he's in the middle of it. And obviously you can't miss him. Um, so there's other people there, you know, but you're just like, Oh, I, there's Christian Jones. Um, and so everybody, the, the thing from the coaching staff is, they they don't want him to be nice on the field. And you know, his goal and his aspiration is to be in the NFL. It's what we talked to him about um after Saturday. And it's about using force, it's about being strong, it's about, you know, when you get into somebody, like you you really let them know that you were there and you and you dominate people. You don't just hold up the, the point of attack, but you blow it open because it, He's he's big. He's strong. He's he's worked really hard. I mean, when he got on campus, um, Andre, maybe you can remember the number, but I think he was he was in excess of three fifty. Um, three sixty five. Um, I mean that, and and to go from that to where I mean, he looks athletic, he looks like um, somebody that that has really bought into what it means to be an Aztec. Um, and you know, I think absolutely uh, promising potential. I think is is um, is putting it mildly. Um, especially the fact that he's a red shirt sophomore and um, he looks good. He looks really good at that position. And I think um, being able to, you know, come into the season and not be on the blind side of the starting quarterback right away. And the, I think the way that teams are going to be attacking him, attacking SDSU to try to um, make Maiden uncomfortable and trying to keep him in the pocket and all that kind of stuff. I think is, is going to make his job a little bit easier. Um, and I I think that again, if he can find that, whatever the right word is force nastiness, aggression, um, to, to really, and again, his body is, if he was three sixty five, he hasn't been this size for very long, but to be able to, to really use his body to create the advantage that should be there. And I think, um, as he matures and he's only three years removed from high school, I think there's a lot of, a lot of good things to be, to be there. Um, all right, great, great point. Great point. Lucky Sutton, hometown hero. No, Nobody wants to talk about the defense. Sorry, <laughs> Eric, if you're still here. Um, <laughs> he worked, he got hurt at the um, end of, uh, at the end of Friday's practice. And then on Saturday's practice, he was working out on the side. I it looked, it looked cautious. It didn't look anything overly serious. It just looked like they want to make sure that they, that they have everybody there. Um, you know, I think, I think, if you took out the names of um, Christian Jones and Lucky Sutton, you can almost switch them. But at the, at the running back position, the the guy is a specimen. I mean, he is big. He looks like, he looks like um, he looks like a tight end when, when you see him out on the field um, and then you see him run and you see him outrun DBs. Um, but he also, doesn't seem to and it's hard in practice right when you don't have the contact and you don't have those live reps all the time but it's he 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 looks like somebody who hasn't quite figured out how to be his own best friend he has all the physical gifts that you could possibly have seemingly and yet he doesn't utilize them i think fully yet and that's something like learning your body learning all this stuff thank you eric you're being very patient um i uh it just it's it's I think he has, he has that potential to be there, but it's also hasn't fully clicked for him. Um, and it's something that we talked about, you know, it's something that we talked about a year ago where there's nothing abnormal about it either. It's not like he's, he's not doing what he's supposed to. Um, (laughs) good. That's, there's the question. There's the question right there, right there. That's the question, Tom. That's the
0: question. (laughs) Anything on sudden before we move on to, uh, Defense. No, I, before we get to Tom's question, I think just one of the questions we got about the defense is um, how is the defensive philosophy going to be different this year, if at all? Mm-hmm. And we can answer that because we literally asked the defensive coordinator that same question in episode 81, Kurt Maddox. And based on the how the strength of the defense is the back end, the corners, the secondary, the safeties, and how they're looking to replace so many guys up front, he said, you know, we, we could probably play a lot more man-free, uh, let our corners play man coverage, and we can rush more guys than just the front three and a sand linebacker. You could blitz their safeties. You can blitz linebackers. And I think that might be a little bit different than the, what they've done in the past, where they played a little bit more zone and on the back end. Um, in terms of... Because they had Cam Thomas rushing. They had uh Keyshawn Banks, uh Justice Tivide, uh, Jonah divide, where they didn't have to blitz and they could drop guys back. So I think in terms of how the philosophy might change, at least early on, is a lot more man coverage and a lot more blitzing.
1: Yeah, and and you know, I think adding with that and and um maybe not answering Tom's question directly, but I think one of the things that really stood out to me um one of the things I wanted to see. Let me, let me, let me say what I wanted to, to see between Friday and Saturday. Um, I wanted to see how quickly they graded Friday's practice. And then how did that impact who was playing where, like if, if they had, let's say, um, Kyron white, he was the fourth team Aztec player, um, listed on the depth chart coming out of spring. Cause he got moved back after, um, Pat McMorris. Well, he didn't, he didn't get reps in the and in practice, he was the fourth guy, um, Mm -hmm. got reps the next day though. And so I wanted to see how that would happen, especially in the secondary, because one of the other things that we asked coach Maddox is would he be willing to play more DBs because they have so much depth there and, um, one of the differences, at least, it seemed to me, and you know, it, it's always hard to you know make sure that you got it meticulously down. Um, but I thought that JD Coffee um, transfer from Texas, um, McCune t- transfer from TCU on Friday, they were taking second team reps um, mixed in there with Josh Hunter and Eric Butler. On Saturday, Hunter and Butler were absolutely the second team guys. And Coffey and McEwen were the third team guys. Um, and so I think if you're looking for who is that sixth, who is that sixth, um, who is that sixth dB, I think the question is, does one of the corners who's not playing, does does that does that is that the person who's the sixth, or is another one of your warrior safeties who is the sixth? Um, and and you know, if I think a lot of it depends, honestly, I think a lot of it depends on who they decide to have for the Aztec position. Um, I think that different skills could complement it. For instance, if you went Max Gerson, I think that he would complement what Eric Butler does well. And I could see them being paired together. Flip side of it is, is if you go Marcus Ratcliffe, you might want to go Josh Hunter because those could Complement each other, and you would use them. You would use in the second scenario. You would use Hunter like you use Garrison, and you would use yeah. Butler and Ratcliffe in a similar role. So I think um, I think it is. It's it'll be interesting to see because then, like I said, they could also go and they could pull off a cornerback, and they could say, "Okay, we're going to grab a corner, and it's not there at all." And then the wild card, I think, of all of it, um, is again, going back to who they have for the Aztec, that there's a shot that they could take one of these warrior safeties and they could make that person the Aztec. Um, I spoke to Sedaris Barfield about that possibility only because Coach Maddox mentioned it on the podcast. And he said, the guys that are playing there are playing really at a high level. Coaches haven't said much to me, but hey, whatever they ask me to do, they'll ask me to do. Um, so I, I think it could be really, really interesting um, to, to to be able to see... How that develops, um, and then especially against some of these spread teams, where you know you're not really going to be blitzing the quarterback very much because they're three-step drop throw wherever the numbers end, bubble screens, you know, et cetera, um, hook routes, and then try to maybe occasionally not do the three-step throw and somebody gets lazy and you get a you get a pass over the top. Um, they, they they might match up that way and rush four. Um, especially because I think, you know, at linebacker, um, you know, I think that the, the, I think Cooper McDonald looks really good. Trey white looks really good. Um, I think you have, uh, Cyrus by Sayu. I think he looks really good. Um, by Cahoe I think looks really good. And then I think you got Brady Anderson and, um, Cody moon. And, you know, I'm not sure how solid that is right now. I think of the linebacker positions, that is the one, as exciting as it is, is Brady Anderson, you know, going and, and making 85% on his sacks and all that kind of stuff. I think that's the position that maybe you would say we're better off playing a DB like Eric Butler, like Josh Hunter, like Phil in the blank, um, like I don't know, Dallas Branch, than playing those guys. Um, so I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how all of that kind of stuff works out. Um, but to Tom's point, um, you know, there has definitely been an emphasis on size um, in the secondary, uh, all of their corners, every one of their corners uh, who are going to be in the rotation, they are going to be, um, they're big. They are so big. Um, and, and they, it seems like they really emphasize that. And, and, um you know when you when you see a line I mean they they look like they look like linebackers, I mean Eric Butler and then Ratcliffe right next to him, and um Des Malone, you know when they're when they're
0: mixed up with' doing special teams uh, and, well, um, remember remember the story that Maddox told us about Donnell when he came no. in for a visit oh, and Boj thought he was a defensive lineman. I thought and, he was that's the then funniest we, part Now we saw Sam Dunnell on Friday. And we couldn't believe that he was a corner before we figured out what number he was wearing and who he was and uh, that story made so much more sense after seeing yeah. Sam and yeah. important um he he's been he hasn't really been practicing very much don't really know what what uh, the issue is there on any the physical issue but um he's a he's he's a guy that's probably you know be, behind at least five corners. <laughs> isn't really going to get a lot of uh, uh, opportunities, you know, but uh, you know, his size, definitely long-term could be a huge asset for the secondary. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, you know, earlier we're talking about the lack of depth and quality of scholarship players at, at wide receiver. And then safety is complete flip side. Right. Right. Like you lose pa- Patrick McMorris and CJ Baskerville, right? But you bring in two power five safeties from TCU, who's in the National Championship game, and uh, Texas. And you have six guys you brought in in the last two freshman classes that all can play. Yeah. Like, there's like, it's, they're like three deep at all nine guys that can probably play this year. And then on the flip side, wide receiver, you're looking for guys to to, to step in and play. And I wonder... You know, Jordan Napier played wide receiver in, in high school. He's in freshman safety. Dunnell played wide receiver. I wonder if those there's a potential if Raphael Williams's waiver doesn't go through. And Jaleel Tucker is definitely not coming in anymore, which seems to be the case. That you know, some of these guys might move to wide receiver, at least for now, to see what they can do there. I I think that 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 would be make a lot of sense. I will say
1: because we didn't talk about him there um, that they have a walk on who is probably like the funnest wide receiver to watch in practice. Um, Mikey Welsh, he, yeah. he catches everything. Um, he His hands are just like they're, they're, they're Jesse Matthews esque where you just, I and mean, there was a pass an example. Um, he was running kind of a deep flag route and, um, And I think he was expecting the ball to be over the top and it was thrown more to the sideline. And he looked back, got the ball and just kind of stuck out a wing and it just sort of, and he just caught it. It was like, Whoa, like, and how many times have we seen that? And, And he, he's somebody who could be that like hand specialist who who's catching punts because his hands are just so good. He was somebody that, that coach Deacon mentioned as well. Um, and so I think they have some guys that, that give them depth that are maybe outside of the scholarship rank. Um, and I think that, you know, part of the evaluation for some of the receivers who are no longer on the roster, um, was basically it's not the deepest group and where are you in the pecking order, you know? And so how, how would, how does that reflect on your future? Um, So I'd be curious to see, I'd be curious to see personally um, how much I'd be curious to see how much a true freshman could switch over and be able to actually impact the depth chart, even though, because I don't think they're going to be using a ton of numbers regardless. And, um, you know, I think though, some of that's going to be like, how serious was Josh Nicholson's injury? He couldn't put any weight on his foot as he was going off the field. How serious is that. Um if it's not very serious, it all of a sudden your numbers don't quite look as bad. I mean that was some that's your stretch the field kind of a guy that that you were hoping for. Um I I, I Don Demar, oh, we got to talk about Don. Let's go Don. Don is the uh the, you know this is a good time to talk about this. Um we uh Eastfield Science, man, we are trying to continually get better at our craft, right? Um and so one of the things that we um are planning to do this year flights are purchased is to cover the Aztecs on the road um to make sure there is a media presence uh on every road game and so th- that's been scheduled and um Don has stepped up and and he's going to be going as the photographer I think for um five of the six games and it's a pretty amazing thing but Don said that they had different helmets um and I think that you know the the helmets from what I from what I remember and and um they are older decals and they're the same helmets that they've always been using um but they just used like an older logo to just kind of spice it up a little bit and I think you captured Don um great pictures of it um I don't think they're switching helmets though because there hasn't been there hasn't been like how to say is right there are some great helmets in college football but most of the great helmets are just old and that's what that's why they're great it's not necessarily like if you just put them person to person but it's just the legacy and the history and the emotion that comes up with the helmets of the new helmets that have been created i can't imagine that they're i, I haven't seen a better one i mean they, whoever they nailed that one um and and it i i don't they're not changing um the decal was just i think probably to make the the practice
0: jerseys look a little bit nicer you mentioned six road games. Are you predicting uh, a bowl game for the Aspects of year? I did say that, didn't I? You're right. right.
1: There's five with them. I can't even get all my my travel there together. <laughs> um, I mean, they have, they've had, they've they've been in a bowl twelve or thirteen years. Um, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. No, yes, yes, I do anticipate him being in the bowl game. Um, and and who knows, man? Um, with the the way that things are there um yeah i think a conference championship whether whether it's that snapdragon on the road i don't think is out of the question
0: yeah i um yeah we're we will have hopefully a writer and a photographer at all five road games maybe we'll have more than one writer at at, at a couple games so we'll see um hawaii game looks very attractive right now for destination Mm -hmm. (laughs) right all right, so I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Um, I
1: have a question for you. So one of the ways that the coaching staff evaluates the team is they make their ten top 10 players middle 80, bottom 10. Mm-hmm. Um, skipping the bottom 10, skipping the bottom 10, just because yeah, I'm, I'm going to go through that, who are your top 10 players regardless of position for the Aztecs um, for you, after what you saw, spring, summer, reputation, what they've done in the past, etc., Jack Browning is that one or 10 or just 10 in general? I'm not going to give you an order.
0: I like you. Want me to I was to say something? that would be that would be pretty impressive. You want, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna rank them, but I'm just a okay. special teams. So I'll go Jack Browning nice. Um, Garrett Fountain. Cooper McDonald, Noah Avenger, Barfield, Keenan Christian, Kate Bennett. How many is that? Um, I'm I'm not counting. That's Mark Redman. Yeah, Redman. Jalen Maiden, maybe. Jalen Maiden, did I not? Yeah, Maiden. <laughs> and um, I want to say, Ross. Okay. I think this is Ross. I think Ross is going to be, is gonna, this is the season. Based on what we heard from Goff and Coach Hoke, has been, not to say that, we you know, what coaches say is, is going to come to fruition, but I I, th- I think based on some of the things we've heard and seen, I think. You know, how serious he's gotten and, you know, based on some of the personal stuff that's happened to him. Um, yeah, I'd put him up there. I think that's ten. That's uh, a solid list. The ones the 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 ones that I would I would think are probably
1: um you know, like there'd be the question I would have is is Cooper McDonald? Um mm-hmm. and Cyrus I say, who I think could take his spot. Um, you know, Des Malone is somebody who it's hard to pick a corner other than him um, only because he's the guy who actually started when, you know, they had all these competitions and he's the guy that played the most snaps and that snart and that started. Um, and I think that, you know, the less, the comments that, that came from coach Maddox about, Oh, he, you know, I don't know that I want to say he's the guy who's going to step up. could be a motivation piece. Um, I was surprised by that answer. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, that good, Absolutely. I was a great answer as yeah. most, most of what coach Maddox does um, is, you know, he, he does a great job, obviously. Um, but I, I think that, I think that they, that they, that, that, that would, that would be somebody that I would put in there. Um, definitely agree with Kate Bennett. I think Kate Bennett, you know, could be up in the top five. You know, I, I think that, that he, he can be pretty special. Um but I think, I think you had a really good list. Uh, Barfield, man. I, I, if there was anything that, you know, I think was the, I don't know. Surprising is the right word, but just really positive. I think that came out of, you know, coach Maddox coach Deacon talked about it as well was just how hard he worked this summer. Um, obviously, you know, he's going to have NFL aspirations next year that, um, as he goes into it, but, to be able to be the hardest worker first in all of the drills. I mean, what a what a gift. And he said he said the reason that he did it is he he wanted to he he understands the idea of legacy and that the warrior safeties who preceded him showed him how warrior safeties act. And that he there's a lot of young guys and he wants to make sure that they that they, you talked about the depth, the nine guys who could play and that he wanted to be able to do that. So I thought that was pretty positive and and I think they need him to be that leadership role i think they need him to be um that good because i don't necessarily know like at spring if any of us would have had barfield as one of the top 10 players you know what i mean but it's clear yeah, that 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 they're hoping that he becomes that guy who is not just somebody who does his job one week and then you know not so much but it's just that impact guy that they can count on and plan their defense around and kind of put those inflection points around him because he's he's
0: the guy who can do so much and has been there for so long and not to say that he would have done things differently if this wasn't the case but I think with McMorris leaving put a little bit more onus on him as the senior leader to be able to to take it up an even higher notch because they're going to look those guys are going to look to him now not to not to McMorris anymore yeah I couldn't I couldn't. Very all nice. right, last group we haven't talked about defensive line. Uh, oh, Robbie Cetus says, "I loved listening to Coach Maddox talk about the DT transfer from Oklahoma State. Uh, Sammy Tui-Halamaka, I believe, is his name." Let's go, everyone. All the coaches just call him Sammy, so I think we're yeah. gonna, we're going to rule with Sammy. Uh, and how they had to sit him down and how well he responded—that'll be huge if he has success causing havoc in the middle. Absolutely. I mean, he's coming from Oklahoma State. The last. Transfer from Oklahoma State, KB Bennett, worked out pretty damn well. So I think Sammy is a big guy. He's a strong guy, powerful. Um, I think he could definitely be the starting defensive tackle by the time the season starts or shortly thereafter. And he could be kind of that big muscle inside, you know, eating up blocks and letting the linebackers kind of trail in behind him. With openings to either the running back or the quarterback. So I think he's he's gonna be a big part of that defensive line.
1: I think they would like him to be, but I I I think that um you know I I was again, I was paying attention to where to where they were ranked. And um he was third. He was the third tackle. Um the the, behind Dalton
0: Dalton and who's second?
1: Um Alu -Alu, Walu? Ninety nine. Yeah, so he uh, 99 was the starter, yeah. and then he ran with the ones, and then 97 ran with the twos, and then Sammy ran with the threes, and it, yeah, it was yeah. fair, it was fairly consistent. Um, and and I, I, one, one person on the defensive line though that we should mention, um, is Keon Mitchell. We already mentioned Brady Nasser at the beginning when somebody had asked, This is another young guy who has good size. Um, he's young, and asked coach about him only because. Only because like you know, he, he kept making plays. You kept hearing yeah. his name, hey Keon, that was a great play, hey Keon, that was a nice play. The coaches, hey Keon, oh yeah, wait a minute. And and you you see him in the backfield, you know. And and it it goes back to I think what coach talked about when he talked about Brady Anderson and he said, Well, he was running with the threes and he was making plays. Let's see how he does with the twos, you know, and then let's see if he makes plays. And so th- I think he's earned himself the opportunity to do more. And I asked Coach about him. Um, on saturday and he he said we're going to be counting on him to produce. Um so he he seems to be in their plans um and it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, how that all unfolds and how all of that works out. Um you know, I think I think there's a big challenge with the defensive line and the challenge is they don't I don't know how like hopefully somebody in practice steps up so much that it's just clear as day, right? Like um <laughs> The way Coach Hope described Garrett Fountain is he 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 um he described him as kind of like went to the team. You know, you could hear him yelling out, that was a Garrett Fountain rep. That was a Garrett Fountain rep because he's just the guy who can play. Um and he's consistent and he and he does what they want him to want a defensive lineman to do. Um and I think they if they, if they don't have enough guys who can step up that they feel really good about what their rotation is, they're going to have to figure out a way to let these guys audition during the game during the hardest stretch of the season. Like, they, they you know what I mean? Like, they're going to have to... I think, I think maybe you could... I think, it, you know, it could work out pretty good. If you have an audition against Ohio, audition against Idaho State, and you have your rotation set by UCLA... Like that's an ideal situation, but yeah. there was a, there was a a, a play um, which always happens. It doesn't matter, you know, where it's at, but it was, it was a third team rep. And so it wasn't, you know, anything crazy about, but I mean, there was Andre, you and I could have gained I and mean, you work out. So maybe that's not a surprise to you. I could have gained 10 yards. I mean, it was just like You know what I mean? Like, like Moses went to the red sea with less room than, than the line, you know, was able to open up against the defensive line um in that rep and and they and they do and he took it I mean, he went to the house and the safeties could not come over because it was just the angles were blown because it was just a huge hole and it was a full head of steam gone down the sidelines and um you know for all of the talk of the back end if if these guys can't hold up at the point of attack um and they can't figure this out it's 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 a long year i mean they, it's, it's just difficult to get it back and and, and you know you have to you start doing run blitzes and you start doing all that stuff and then you hope that your secondary is as good as it is and they can just cover people. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the kind of the worst case scenario. Um, the best case scenario is these guys grow up and, and you, you are allowed to have some of that, um, you know, cloak and dagger that makes the three, three, five so good because you, because there are so many guys you got to pay attention to, and then you can do zone and then you can do man. And then you can, you know, confusion and all that stuff can come, can come back to it. If your line can be, you know, competent. Um, and, and so I think there there's tons of guys. I mean, I think if I'm saying like the overall vantage point, I think years and years and years ago, um, I was sitting in the stands Qualcomm stadium. Um, I was at the Murph and sitting in the end zone, they were playing, I think, um, I don't know, with it, UNLV or something. And um, a recruit was happened to be sitting right in front of me. And the guy came from the field and he came into the thing, and and his buddies were there, and he said, Well, they're not any bigger than us. <laughs> That's what he said. He goes, and now and then the game was about to start. He goes, Now let's see if this if the speed of it's way faster. And um, and I was like, Oh. They're, they're, they're not going to be very good. (laughs) Like That's a problem. If a high school guy does not go in there and go like, what on earth? Um, San Diego state has impressive size, um, up front, uh, the height at lots of positions. Uh, you know, they definitely have the, the, the football players that, you know, the, that the Jake Feely kind of guys who, um, are undersized, but can just play football. And they definitely have, have a share of those, but, um, they, they walk off the bus and they look like, um, you know, a power five team. They, they have size, they're fast. Um, they were, they both practices, even though they were, um, just in shells, um, you know, were physical, they stayed on their feet, obviously as, as much as they could. Um, that was an emphasis from the coaches um, throughout, but I, I, it was, um, they're just really, really good size. I mean, you just see specimens, people that you're just like, oh, okay. Like th- that guy, you know, we mentioned it, Deshaun McEwen, transfer TCU. That dude's his athleticism. You see it. You see it. I mean, usually, usually, you know, when they're doing the the zigzagging and the, you know, the backpedaling and the things like that in the warmups, you can see the hips moving a little bit better for the cornerbacks versus the safeties and, you know, very small, subtle things. Um, not him, man. He, that, that guy, that guy could, could get in and out of his breaks. He could do all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and he's good size. He has good size. And I think you, 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 can look at that throughout the team and the defensive line, same thing. They got, they got every, I mean, anything that they want to do, they can do, um, you know, Jalil Jackson was a walk on. He he's a short and stout guy who can be at the point of attack and kind of hold things up. They got long athletes. They got long and big athletes. They got, you know, a, a wide variety of things they do. They got speed guys. Um, you know, you were mentioning Miles Moreau earlier in the podcast. Um, and you know, he got absolutely dusted by Dom Oliver in a in a rep. And he just Dom Oliver's speed, just like absolutely he just inside, inside move and bam, it was just like that quarterback would have been hurting if that play had been in a, in a, in a real play. In that that suddenness that Oliver has always shown, um, I mean, it so it was interesting. Uh, and you know, I mean,
0: gosh, uh, Trey White. Well, Trey White. Dom Oliver. He's a, he's a guy we talked to a lot about last fall camp. Yeah, and didn't really get a lot of opportunity because he ended up making a switch to defensive end. Obviously, he was behind way too many guys. But this is—he's now a, a third-year sophomore, and you know this is—if he this, this is best, this is the opportunity to get on the field, become a starter or a primary backup, and and produce. Because I know he's been, you know, he's been. As, as I asked Garrett Fountain, you know, what advice did you give to him? And he said, "Just eat, put on weight, <laughs> keep eating." And, and Dom has yeah, gained Absolutely has. But with with with. All with the openings on the defensive line, this is this is finally his year where the promise and the potential needs to equal production. I agree. So.
1: I agree. Although I will say, you know, they were just kind of close enough to see him and and um and Trey White mm-hmm. looks like he should be playing defensive line, and Dom Oliver looks like he should be playing linebacker, and of course he came in as a linebacker and then switched to D line and Trey white at East Lake high, he played defensive line and switched to linebacker. And so I know they're really big on, on Trey white as well, but again, just a giant human being. I mean, just like a guy who can hold the edge. Um, perfect for that outside Sam linebacker role where, you know, that he can handle multiple blockers and all that stuff. Cause he just has great size. Um, but I, th- I think that really came across and, and um, yes,
0: Yes. Yeah, this will definitely be the replay will be posted and then we'll put the audio up on the podcast uh, platforms as well. So this will definitely be on there.
1: I know we want to be wrapping this up, but um, a couple of things I really wanted to mention. I mentioned in my article, but I just want to mention it again Um, on Friday, you know, talking to Jalen Maiden and I'm asking him a question and I'm trying to get him to talk about himself. Um, which is not an easy thing to do, and and getting him to know what is he thinking, what is he feeling, what is what's going on with him, and so I get, I asked him about you know the respect because it, all the players, um, all the players, all the coaches just talk about how excited they are about his season and he's earned it and it's ready for it, and it, he had the presence of mind in that moment to single out Arnold Escano, who, um. I had to go back and listen to it again. And then I had to go through the roster to be like, who did he talk about? Um, Olympian high school, Southwestern college. Now at San Diego state hometown hero guy. And he said, I see that guy working hard. And so I know that, that everybody sees how hard I've worked as well. But I just thought that the presence of mind to be able to, the presence of mind to be able to, 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 to think about another human being like that, out of the hundreds of teammates that he has, or hundreds of teammates that he has, I just thought it just showed, I think, what makes him such a special leader. Um, I think we should we should spend some time talking about Jalen Maiden. Um what what have you seen from him in practice? Um and and you know, is is it fair to say that
0: the season rests on his left arm? Absolutely. I agree with that. I think we saw so much good from him in the first six games of the, of his tenure. Five and one, and the only loss was Fresno. I think we, we seem to only remember those last two games where things just went really wrong. You know, Air Force game, three points, multiple turnovers in the red zone. Middle Tennessee, I think they got off to a good start in that game. Um but, you know, the wheels fell off in the second half. I don't think they scored a point in the second half. And we seem to remember those two games more than we remember the first six. And I think if he can be closer to those first six than that last two, I think the team and the offense can do enough to win games. So, so I think – I think it's somewhat, and obviously it's recency bias. You're going to remember the last time you saw him in a game, and you're going to remember – Turnovers, and I think you're going to forget the things he did against San Jose State, where he was throwing wow. uh, deep t- touchdown passes to Tyrell Shavers, New Mexico connecting with Makai Shaw on big plays, rushing yeah. for touch. I think the Nevada touchdown run was still one of the best quarterback touchdown runs in college football like last season. Yeah, and so the, th- the things, the special things he can do, are still going to be there this year. It's as we talk about. It's limiting the mistakes and not not letting it snowball, as Coach Lindley talked about. Um, he's going to need help. The offensive line has to do their job. The running backs need to do their job. Tight ends and receivers need to get open and catch passes. But he's got the the talent that he showed that he can he can lead a very respectable offense that puts up twenty five points per game. I th- I think it's it's doable and. and He's got the right mentality to do it. It's just a matter of of getting it done, and I think we're going to be talking about it until the games start. But once the games right. start, I think it's a matter of putting it into uh, motion. I think, uh, I think the coaches have confidence in him because we've seen what really good looks like. You know, he was an All Conference honorable mention off of eight games, seven games, <laughs> right? Goal game, goal game,
1: two thousand yards. Yeah. I mean, two thousand yards. If he if he's the start of the entire season, um, if he's the start of the entire season, I mean, that's a $3, thirty thousand yards. Yeah. yeah, I mean that it, it, it's it's something. And that and going back to one of the first questions about whether or not you know he they have a run offense. I think it's a run offense to accentuate what he does best. Um, which is to get him into play action, which is to get him rolling, get him moving, get him. And I, I think that's why they do it. It, it. It's it's not Christian Chapman where they're running and they hope that, that Christian Chapman can move him in the right places and make the big plays and convert some third downs, you know, thinking about like Stanford to, you know, that whole entire drive to, to win the game that Chapman was great at. It's not that. It's you you want to run – so that the defense has to respect both. And then that opens up so many opportunities for what Maiden is capable of doing. Um, So I definitely don't think you should take from the comment that they're going to run the ball as Mm -hmm. saying that somehow the, the the ball isn't going to be in Maiden's hands. Um, I think this is Maiden's team. um, And I think that, you know, I think his ceiling quite frankly um, is, I think he can be the, the offensive player of the year in this conference. Um, And I think it has as much to do. It's going to be about um, the right balance between ball control and also forcing the ball and being that dynamic playmaker and, and being able to, to kind of live with a little bit of both Um, using his legs more, you know, you asked him about that on Friday and that's something that he's paying attention to. Um, But I think because of Jalen Maiden and, and kind of the, the unknown, right. Cause again, if he's honorable mention um, all conference again, that's not going to be a shock either. Right. So it's like that, that whole ceiling and floor question, I think because of who he is and, and the fact that, you know, he isn't completely established, but did show so much without a full off season of being at the position, you know, I think this makes San Diego state's, ceiling and floor much more volatile than I think it's been in years past. Like I would argue that 2021, I don't think they reached their ceiling. If their ceiling means their peak. Um, I think that COVID kind of took that away. Um, and you know, the things that, and, and off the field stuff as well, um, rightfully took that away. And I, um, I thought last year, I thought that was pretty much their floor. I thought that they, that they, you know, that was their floor this year. If we're looking at that, I sincerely just talking about the regular season. Um, you know, I don't think that there's a team on their schedule that if they play their best and some, they get some breaks that they can't beat. Like, I don't think that there's in like an Alabama on their schedule that you're just like, well, you know, like something miraculous has to happen or whatever. Um, I'm not saying they should be favored or whatever, but I think their ceiling is to, to win all of their games. Um, if we're saying like their true ceiling uh if the, you know, but I also think that their floor, if they don't, if they do turn over the ball, if they don't fix the offensive line, I think their floor is, a, is a lot lower as well. And, you know, I think this could be the year that they don't make a bowl. If Jalen maiden can't figure out how to control the ball, can't be the playmaker that he seems to looks to be. And, you know, the, the defensive line, um, doesn't figure it out and the other teams are able to run the ball on them and the things that be, that be, you know, what it means to be Aztec football isn't played. Um, but I think that's the fun of this season. I mean, there, there's no expectations on them, but it, oftentimes they, they seem to thrive, you know, when there's less people talking about and picked fourth in the conference. Um, and that unknown about how good they
0: actually can be, I think in some ways makes this season really fun. That remind me if you remember this actually. The twelve and two season, they were picked to finish third in the division, right? I I do not remember that. I think so. I'm gonna go back and look, through, but I I believe the twelve and two season they were picked to finish third in the division Which by, makes
1: sense coming off of twenty twenty.
0: Right. Right. And then last year I think they were picked to between them and Fresno, right? But they were up they got a lot of votes at least. And then yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. One of the best plays I saw on Friday, and this is a standard play in every playbook, so I'm not giving away any secrets here, is they ran a play action fake run to the right where all the line is moving to the right and Jalen Maiden bootlegged out to the left. And he had an option to whether he, he could run or he had Mark Redmond running a drag coming from the right to the left. And he threw it to Redmond and he got about, you know, 10 yards. But plays like that, where he's outside the pocket and gives him the ability to to run for a first down or to make throw. Out. I think I don't remember who the receiver was, but there was another receiver that was going deeper. Uh, that could be a potential deep play. And then Mark Redmond was the shorter guy, so or the um, nearer guy. So things like that, I think, using Maiden getting out of the pocket. Um, I think we could see a lot, of, a lot of because I think Cam Rising did a lot of that stuff. <laughs> and if they're going to be like Utah, um, I think that you'll you'll see a lot of that as well.
1: Absolutely, and I think that that's how you manufacture big plays. I think that's how you that, that it's not necessarily by the design, but they just kind of figure out like somebody moves and now they're wide open outside of maybe the script. Um, so anyway, Andre, uh, this is great. I thought that you know when we always get to preview season. I'm always like, ah, there's so much work to get done in so little time. Um, But thank you to the coordinators who allowed us to be able to do that. Um, And, you know, I just I felt like this was a perfect bow to put on all of that. Um, You know, Gio with the videos, Don with all of the photos, you with the articles, me with the articles, you know, just really um, all of our, you know, James with all of the the the, the editing and all the things that, that we do behind the scenes, man, I, I um, was, was really excited about our, um, you know, just the, the, the kickoff, the season and the covers that we were able to provide.
0: Very proud of it. Yeah. One last question we missed before we get out of here. Okay. Uh, Michael asks about Jaleel Tucker. Um, he was not at second practice either. It does not appear that he will be on the team. Uh we don't have anything confirmed that we can report as to a reason. Uh but it does not look like he will be on a team uh this season. So that's uh, we all we got there. Um it's a it's a disappointment because he was a guy who had a lot of promise, a so hometown kid, wide receiver, you know, he's a track guy, an athlete, but you know. Things happen that way. Uh appreciate all of you guys tuning in and listening, asking questions. Um, appreciate uh all our listeners because if we didn't have any listeners, uh we probably wouldn't be doing this. So (laughs) we appreciate all of you guys. Thanks, Paul, as always, for everything you've done and going to practice yesterday and your your report. Um, yeah, those videos from Geo were were really good. Uh, excited about uh, him. And the, the stuff that he does, and the stuff that Don and all of our other photographers do. So it's going to be an exciting season. I'm excited to watch actual football games. And I know we didn't talk about conference realignment because we'd rather you know save our sanity. Yeah, uh, football. Let's so talk about football. <laughs> yeah, we'd rather talk about football and let all the stuff play out. So, um, any last words, Paul? No,
1: just again, same thing. I appreciate you. I would just say, I would say, um, you know. Thank you for, for, for listening. Um, Tom, you're going to have to work Andre on the the podcast and all that stuff is Andre's baby. So he he produces all this stuff. Um, He produces all this stuff when, when we, um, you know, get off of here and somebody was asking, is this going to be online? It's Andre who puts it online. It's Andre who, you know, uh, not on the, live ones but on the other ones you know if i say something stupid he makes it sound a little bit better um almost picked me up when i called lisa garrison lisa hunter you couldn't quite figure out a way to not do that in a sloppy way um but I, he does so much to make all of it happen so as far as doing that more frequently tom this is just your soccer buddy over here
0: all right guys thank you we'll talk to you guys next time You are listening to the SDSU Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.